Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Dads. My name is Daniel Mono. Thanks for tuning in and checking us out for another week. Got a cool little chat to share with you today. Jamie Lingham from Absolute Immigration is our guest. Jamie shares some awesome insights into the immigration industry, what got him started, what got him through almost the brink of bankruptcy back in the day when the GFC hit and how he's been able to come out of that bigger and stronger, but also how he's getting on top of everything considering the world at the moment and obviously being in the immigration game, how he's been hit and what they're doing to keep on top of that. But the thing I loved most about this chat with Jamie is how he was able to relate his, how his ocean swimming was so important for his mental health. And it's something that we don't always talk about as a dad. So please delve into this little chat and I hope you're able to take as much out of this as I was. Welcome back. We've got another episode of Small Business Dad. Joining us today, Jamie Lingham from Absolute Immigration. How are you, Jamie? G'day. Good, Dan. How are you? Very good, thank you. Well, thanks for coming on and giving us some of your time. But before we get into what you do, I'd like to find out a bit more about people on a personal level. And so give us a bit of an insight about you and your family. Yeah, sure. I've, um, what am I, 40, 48 this year? Um, geez, that comes up bloody quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> it does come up. We're not getting any younger. No, nah, not at all. And I think there's that stage in your life where you sort of realise you're not you're, you're stuck on the travelator, right? And it, there's no turning back. <laughs> you can't just run back to the start again. And give another go. <laughs> there's a few things I'd do again, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, I've got three kids. I've got a nine-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl, um, affectionately known as the terrorist. That's the uh, girl, <laughs> Frankie. She's... Um, Wrapped around your finger, though, I bet. Oh, mate, she's as tough as nails. I tell you what, she is cunning as a fox and um, and tough as nails. She is really... Now, my mum always used to say to me, I was the third child, she always used to say that I was more trouble than the other two put together. And I never understood that until I had um, Frankie. And, you know, she's, she's the one who you get home, she's drawn over the wall, she beats up her brothers. <laughs> and the funny thing is she, she looks, you know, she loves the pink, so she's that real girly girl, which my wife isn't really and so but you know she's sweet packaging but i tell you what you you don't want to muck around with her because she'll absolutely rip you to pieces no, yeah but the thing i've uh, i've realized with two of my own that everything that i did when i was a little so-and-so it's all come back to me now it's all payback i know well how, how old are yours so six and two mine are so okay. six and a half two and a half so um they're both girls so yep. but um you know, little one follows the big sister around but when she wants to put a foot down like you like you know, they will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm like you. I'm worried about the the karma um, coming back and biting me in the ass. <laughs> because you know, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, I played a lot of sport and didn't. I mean, I was probably like most guys, right? I didn't really um, have that much interest in school and and yep. sort of mucked around a bit and didn't really find my feet till I was probably around thirty. To tell you the truth, I think I started my business when I was twenty eight or thirty. What have we got? Would have been 28, so it's it's 20 years this 20 year. 20 years, yeah. In the 19th year of business, so I um I was in a good job. I was uh, you know working in marketing. I was on a good salary. I had good budgets. I was getting fine around the country, and I was just bored. And um my old man who did this business, uh, he said, oh you should do it. But the type of people he dealt with was a lot of the, you know sort of um people are getting picked up for being illegal in the country, and so he spent a lot of time at detention centres. And I was just like, this is the dodgiest business in the world. Why the hell would I ever do it? Anyway, so fair enough. Um, you know, when I was 28, I was, as I said, I was just bored. And I thought I'll give it a crack uh, for 12 months. And I started off in my bedroom. 
And then that sort of grew to, I moved to an apartment with a spare room and I had that as a, an office. And then I moved to um, an office, a 50 square meter office. Then I moved to uh, another office, which is 110 square meters. And then I opened up in Brisbane, um, the second the JFC hit and, um, you know, signed a big fat lease for uh, timing. Oh, mate, the timing was unbelievable. I think if you have that pivot point at the very top, that needle top just before the crash happened, that's exactly that, the second I signed my lease. And they um, wouldn't have cared, I'm sure. Oh, mate, it's unbelievable. But um, anyway, so, you know, sort of came back to Melbourne with the tail between the legs. Business almost went bankrupt and, and then sort of spent the time rebuilding it again. So it's been, um, it's been a hell of a journey. Um, and I think that, you know, well, I know the most important part about all of that is um, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, just having that support, you know, the whole way through to me was was critical. And just um, knowing that you could sort of hit the bottom and, and get back up again, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty good. So what motivated you to keep rolling instead of just to pack it all in and go, well, you know what, I had a stab, I'll go back to, you know, a real job, so to speak, and, you know, of comfortable employment? Yeah, well, I suppose um, that was the first thing. I didn't want to go back to comfortable employment. Yeah, that's fair enough. I remember when I, when I quit my job, I had a boss and she was... Um, yeah, it's just just typical, you know, like everything you want to do. She was like, nah, nah. And if you had a good idea, she took it as her own. And I just sort yep. of was like, this is ridiculous. So I think, you know, I should be sending a bottle of champagne a week, you know, just, uh, I mean, a year just to thank her yep. for, for sort of getting me to see the light. But um, what got me through, I think that number one is having good support at home. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I said, my now wife, who was my girlfriend, um, she said to me, when I closed up Brisbane, I basically closed it up overnight and I had a call from the building manager saying, hey, are you doing a runner? And I said, no, I've had a general manager I put on. I had five staff who quit and I had to come back and do all their jobs. And my um, wife, Penny, she said, oh, if you've got to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day to get it back on track, that's what you've got to do. And that's what I did for six months. And, you know, we had, um, I don't know, it's like everything in life, right? It does, life doesn't give you one thing at a time. It just gives you all the crap yep. at the same time. It's like, take this and this and this. So I had a bookkeeper who wasn't paying bass, pays a go or super. And I uh, had trusted, you know, that that person knew what they were doing mm. and thought, well, this is, you know, not, not my business. I'm, I'm not that expert. And what it taught me, it taught me, look, you know what, to tell you the truth, it taught me a hell of a lot. Um, number one is understand exactly where every dollar is going. You know, yes, understand that's good you, and also understand that in the business that you have to be part of everything. You know, you can't just go, oh, I don't like that part of the business. Mm. I'm not going to pay attention. You just got to learn to like it. You know, you got to learn to understand what's going on. So when I came back, it was, you know, we had 128 grand or something owed to the ATO. We had super wow. outstanding. Like, the, as I said, the whole thing was just sort of imploding. And um, I, you know, had to pay the rent in, in Brisbane. So it was four grand, four and a half grand a month for the rent in Brisbane, plus eight grand on a payment plan with the ATO. And so that was 12 and a half grand before I got out of bed. And then it was, you know, and then it was, uh, it was working seven days a week and Penny would come and we'd have dinner and then she'd go home and I'd go back to work. Anyway, so I just, I think that to answer your question, what sort of got me through it, I think that number one is I got myself in, in the trouble, right? And so I thought the only person that's gonna get me out of this is me. Yep. Um, I could have closed down Brisbane because I had absolute immigration for a price limited Queensland. I could have just put all the debt in that and shut it down and just wiped my hands off it. Walked away, yeah. Yeah, but I was, what was I? I would have been, I don't know, 36 or something like that, 35. 
and I just thought it's not really worth it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that it's at that age, not, not at, I don't think at any age you can turn around and go bankrupt and, you know, sort of put your hands up. So I just thought, well, I've still got the potential. I still had the vision and, and I just, just, you know, I suppose it's like being a batter at the crease, right? You're just getting peppered the whole time yep. and you just got to put your head down and just, just keep on batting and, and just, you know, just hope that occasionally there'll be a loose ball. And, and that happened a bit more, you know, you, there was a loose ball here and I had a ball over there and another couple of runs here and it just, you know what I mean? It just slowly sort of got back into, into the rhythm. And so back then I was employing about 14 staff and now I think I've got about 16 staff or 17 staff at the moment. So we're sort of, you know, and, and, and 17 staff that, that we're a lot smarter in what we do and how we do it. I think that's the key, isn't it? Like you just plugged away and at the end of the day, like the thing I like is you backed yourself rather than just throwing your toys out of the cot and going, oh, well, that'll do. You worked at it. You obviously worked your butt off. And it was obviously before kids because that's a lot easier decision to make before you've got kids and, oh, you know, sure. putting all that time in the business. But you can obviously look back now. I think, you know, I always say the reason why we're all here because there's something that happened when we were in a real job and you just think, you know, I can either do it better or I'm sick of the way I'm being treated. And it drives all of us. That's how I started. That's how you obviously started as well. Yeah. You know, and all these years later, I think that's just the... Uh, so I think it's a common link, isn't it? And then there's something, Absolutely. I don't think anyone's born a small business entrepreneur or an owner or anything like that. You've like, you've, you've got to work at it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, so to your point, I think that having, um, backing yourself, having self-belief is, is number one. I think having your vision and just knowing where you can be and you go, okay, well, you know, I've had a bit of a, a setback, um, but I've actually got a lot more potential, you know, to move forward. And so putting your head down and keeping your eye on the prize and not getting distracted by the little things that are going on. And, you know, I mean, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. It was, mm. um, it was a very tough period, but I was actually also learned the most, you know? So I look at it this way. It was probably like a uni degree, right? Like I just, on, like an MBA, it was sort yep. of like hyper moving me to where I need to be as a business owner mm. um, and, and, and looking at a lot of the things. I mean, you know, the business is sort of booming to the point that it was just, it was easy. And then, so, you know, you get the hard times and you sort of realize where all the cracks are. And so, I mean, I'm sure that I've still got a long way to go, but, you know, as I said, 19 years in, <clears throat> you know, I've got the systems, I've got the processes, I've got the people I've got, you know, I'm starting to build those sort of building blocks and um, yeah. And now, and now COVID. Exactly. So it's on the tip of my tongue for the next question. It's obviously being in the immigration game that's stopped overnight. So how does that, work with something like what you do now yeah it's a good question um it's sort of a bit it's a bit funny right because we expected so when it first happened i had a call from um the you know one of the the senior people in the department of immigration said can you put a paper together um and come up with how we're going to solve this for visa holders already in australia so i worked with about i don't know three or four other pretty sharp minds um well, they're the sharp minds. I just go put together um, <laughs> in the immigration space, and, and we came back with eight pages of recommendations. And so, essentially, there was about 1.8 million people on temporary visas here. So, if you imagine that's the pond um, that that all the you know potential work was in Australia, and then there's 6,800 migration agents. So, all of them sort of feeding off this diminishing yeah. pond is getting tough. And then with the stop travel restrictions, um, yeah, it's definitely getting harder. But one thing that it's really got me to do is to get out more, you know, do more um, interviews, do more 
uh, webinars, doing more Facebook lives. You know what I mean? Like really pushing ourselves out to say, okay, if, if there's 6,800 people out there who are eating, you know, once a month or twice a month, that means there's still a lot of work out there. Mm. And we just have to work out how we can position ourselves to start to capitalise on that and have those conversations. Um, and look, I, I won't lie, it, it's been tough and, and yes, we're down. Um, but on the other hand, you know, some days I'm like, I can't believe we're getting work in. Yeah. So, you know, there's still people, um, just because there's, there's a you know, million unemployed doesn't mean there's suddenly a million people who can come and fill critical roles. Um, but the other issue is getting people actually into the country. And that's, yes. that's the hard part. You know, you might have a visa to come and work here, but actually to be given permission to get on a plane to come over, that's a whole different conversation. So I think the next three months will be really telling. So it's interesting that obviously, you know, there's no open borders and such, but if you did have a visa lined up to come here and work with a company in, you know, August or whatever, or is that something that is still doable once they, you know, they come to the hotel, or they do their two weeks quarantine, like, you know, someone returning home would. Um, or that's just off the cards and, you know, maybe try again next year type of thing. It's, it's not off the cards, but sort of depending at what level you are, right? So if, you, if you're uh, on a good salary over 151000 which is the fair work high income threshold, we're, we're sort of put to the department. There should be a certain group of people that can come in. Um, we've got a, a company at the moment who needs to send in a technician to fix one of their machines that will, once it's going, it will sustain a number of jobs. And because it's broken, you know, you can't do that. So I think that as far as, you know, shelving plans to come over um, in the short term, I think that if, if you've got a technical capacity or you work on a big project or, or you're what um, we call job makers as opposed to job taker, I think yep. that's fine. I think there's, you know, people looking at like, I suppose my view is if, if you can work over Zoom and you don't physically need to be in the country, I reckon that what they'll do is they'll cut the lists of eligible occupations and they'll yep. say, you know, Dan, you, you stay over there, you know, you can do your role from anywhere in the world. Yep. Um, but if you're coming over and you've got to do some sort of project management or some sort of trade or anything that's with hands-on, I think that that's where they'll still have to have that through. Now, to the quarantine, um, they've actually made it now that you have to pay for quarantine. So if you're, if you're bringing over staff sponsored by your business, you're going to pay three grand um, to have them stay in a hotel yeah. for two weeks, um, which my biggest thing with the hotels is they've got no, no fresh air. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'd go mad and, you know. Well, you think about it, don't you? Like, that's something you take for granted. Like, you know, you and me can just walk outside and providing it's not pouring down rain, we can go out and go for a walk around the block and, just yeah. something like all those hotels, they don't have windows because they're all high rises. So exactly. they can't for safety reasons. So you can't even get fresh air into your room. Like obviously it has to be done, but yep. yeah, like you just think it's definitely a mental toll for that, for your mental health. Well, and this is the point, right? I, I agree. And I thought to a guy, um, it's funny, I sort of reflect back on it now. He was um, uh, an Uber driver and he said he worked, he was going to his shift to work at the hotel. I hope he wasn't one of those blokes who um, <laughs> you know, got a bit too involved with the guests, but you never know. And I said to him, I said, oh, there should be balconies. And he said, if people had balconies that, you know, there'd be a risk they'd dump off. And I'm like, mate, you think there's not going to be more of a risk? I said, if people are going to top themselves, they'll throw a TV through the window and follow it out. Yeah. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to help. And, and I think that, I mean, is there, 
ways that you can put these people in country properties. I don't know, you know, it just doesn't, it's just a tough gig, right? I think two weeks of, of being stuck in a hotel room. I mean, you've probably been stuck in a hotel room like I have. Um, and no fun. No, well, you know? not for two weeks. And you're definitely oh. like, you're not going to want to be stuck in a hotel with your kids for two weeks because oh, they'd mate. be going up the walls yeah. as well. It's hard enough when they're on a rainy day at home sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. And they can't like get out and run up and down the hall, yeah. you know? So it's a, it's a very, um, yeah, I think it's a really, really tough ask. So how that impacts us, I think that companies, so basically I think there's still skill shortages, right? I don't think that's that's changing because through COVID, nobody's been getting work experience no. and nobody's been getting tra extra training, you know? So, so it's not like we suddenly have all these people upskilling then if, that, if this goes on for a year, they've turned up and said, hey, suddenly we've got a skilled workforce. I yep. think those fundamental problems are still going to be there. Um, I think that what it's going to do, it's going to cause pause for businesses. So if you want to, you think, oh, I've got someone I want to sponsor, I like the person, um, or, you know, I've got someone overseas, you might actually take stock and say, hang on, I'll have another dig into the Australian labour market to see if there's more people there, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I can tell you, all of our clients who we have, their preference would be to employ a local Australia That's because cost-wise it's, it's 10 grand just on immigration fees less. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like time and hassle and energy and emotional crap that you have to yep. go through. And relocation yeah. fees and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Like you exactly. Can't just, yeah. And now you've got the, the quarantine fees on top of it. It's a lot going on. But what I fear the most is that companies in Australia might actually sit there and go, well, hang on a second. I can offshore this component of my business. Right. Mm. And so the migration program um, is about um, not only just filling skill shortages, but it's also about repopulating. You know, we've got a declining birth rate. We've got an aging population um, and that's not changing. You know, like our, our population is getting older. So the number of people down the bottom, they're going to be the ones that have to carry the weight yes. and pay the taxes. And, you know, yep. I mean, let's face it, right. The government's got out of, of, of all their sort of traditional industries that they've been involved with and they've privatised them. And so now you and I and, and all the viewers, we're, we're their, their biggest income earner. Yep. You know, why, why own a, a, a telecommunications or utility company that's giving you 5% or 10% where you can have a taxpayer who's giving you 40% or having a business that's paying you 30%. It's a much easier gig, right? Just to get these people working for you. And so well, I think that makes that sense, to, yeah. Yeah. So there has to be some sort of strategy, I think. So I think, you know, obviously if someone's coming in, especially if they are highly skilled, they're on a high income, so they're paying more tax, which like you say, it's obviously better for the country overall. If someone here can't do the job, it, so I can, you know, I guess there's still going to be something and obviously a lot more hoops to jump through and they over the mm -hmm. next six, 12 months, whatever sort of time frame we're looking at. So hopefully there's things that, you know, all, all that will come out in the wash, I guess, because there's a lot of things that need to be put in place for all that to happen. But obviously with all that sort of stuff going on in the background, you need to unwind and get away. You mentioned earlier before we hit record that you've just come out, you've come back from a swim and how else do you unwind and get away from it all? Uh, look at the moment, um, swimming sort of my thing. I've been swimming in the bay in Melbourne. It's about, I don't know, nine and a half degrees in there at the moment. No wetsuit. Um, put hairs on your chest. That mate, I, I tell you what. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, actually. I started it about three years ago, and um, it seems the craziest thing. I actually started at 5.30 in the morning. I went in the dark, and the bloke I went swimming, he said, you're going to walk in or dive in off the jetty, and I said, oh, I'll dive in. And I swear to God, he just 
sucks the breath out of you. Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to die. And um, anyway, it's it's a strange thing. I don't know if you know anyone who does cold water swimming, but it's actually highly addictive. And so once you sort of do a few of it, you get the adrenaline rush and the buzz, and it's I mean it's bloody good for you. Um, and so I've swum. I think today's like my forty eighth day in a row. Um, nice. I want to. I'm trying to get through ninety days of. of swimming every day in the ocean. I think that for your mental health, um, it's key. And there's a whole, there's a group of us, we're actually called Team Shrinkage. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's a whole group of us who, who swim um, Bayside and, and, you know, there's a bloke who's a, um, a helicopter paramedic, you know, and he, he has a lot of stuff that he deals with. Uh, we've got teachers, we've got, you know, other business owners and, and, you know, other people in the group. And I think that what it does for your mental health and so whether or not it's getting a swim or going out for a run or in the bike, um, I think that's super important. I think that particularly at this time as well, you know, if you, you just got to keep getting perspective because it sort of feels like that week that the, it's, it feels like we're perpetually in two days before Christmas, you know, it's sort of like this half dream state. Yeah. I don't know. So how do you deal with, obviously, you know, for those listening at the moment, by the time this goes out, you would have, you'll be a couple of weeks into your, uh, your new lockdown again. How does that work with you guys? Like, you know, you get a taste of freedom and you get a taste of getting back to, you know, almost normal. And then all of a sudden, because some idiot can't do his job properly, but you've mm. got to, um, you know, when it's something that was pretty much eradicated, then it's all of a sudden it's back out again. Like, how do you guys deal with that? Is it just the outlet for the exercise that you mentioned or? Yeah. So that's, that's sort of, so as far as, um, I mean, we're, we're back to homeschooling, um, which is, you know, it's challenging. It's a tough gig. So, uh, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know, it's, it's a hell of a thing. Um, fortunately my wife, uh, well, Penny, she can look at, you know, she, she looks after all that, which is fine. Um, I did it for a couple of hours and my oldest Jackson, he was just like, can you never let Papa, <laughs> I get called Papa, never let Papa do this again. Cause, cause I kept saying to him, mate, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he was like, they don't ask this at school. And no, I was like, well, I'm interested. That sounds like what happened in more, you know, well, that's not how we learn it. Well, that's how I yeah. learned it. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. But you know, this, like you said before, um, it's sort of karma coming back at you, right? Cause I was like, exactly. I like him. <laughs> would have been a punish to be homeschooled, I reckon. Oh, horrible. But um, so we're, you know, we're sort of getting through that. I mean, we're fortunate. I keep thinking of these people in Spain and Italy who have got, and in New York, right, who've got high density living mm. in apartments or China as well. And, and they've got their whole family in, a, in an apartment. Yeah. And so we're, we're fortunate that, you know, we've got a bit of land and, and we're sort of on a, on a canal in Elwood. So we can sort of, you know, you can get outside a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no heading out for beers and there's no, you know, going for dinners and, you know, catch up with friends. Um, but the other thing is they talk about going to stage four down here, which I think is, you know, super essential stuff. But the good news is that you'll still be able to, to um, exercise. So I think that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be key. But the rest of it, yeah, I reckon it's going to be tough. And even with my staff, I've noticed um, it's tough for them mentally. I like being back in the office when, you know, you can bounce off each other. And yeah. I think that having this and having the, the remote working, uh, it's, there's been positives, but I think there's also been the negatives just on the, the mental health and the socialization. Well, it's draining, isn't it? Like, obviously, you know, we're lucky this happens 10 years ago. There was no zoom and all this sort of stuff. Um, 
where, you know, like everything's like society would have stopped. You couldn't have just kept working from home if it happened like yeah. 10, 20 years ago, because the technology wasn't there. But yeah. so we're lucky in that regards, but there's also, you know, more common thing that I encounter people with zoom fatigue as such, where you spend all day on staring at a screen in a meeting where it's something that could be solved for just walking up someone and, you know, have a quick you know, five minute chat in an office environment or whatever to solve a problem, all of a sudden becomes a whole new zoom meeting. Um, so exactly. that adds another effect as well. So yeah, I, I definitely think if someone's listening, the key take home is just exercise. You need an outlet. And I'm obviously biased speaking about that with my fitness background, but I just think anyone in general, just the endorphins and the stress release you get from it. And obviously you going out when it's nine degrees and or even less when it's first thing in the morning, you get that yeah. nice little um, you know, mental alertness factor. Or I can assume for going out in that cold dip and that rush and, well, it's, it's nine degrees in the water and sometimes it's sort of five or four out or yeah. I think we had the other day it was a couple of degrees. So as you walk in, you just sort of say warmer in than out, you know, that's your mantra to, yes. to sort of get you in there. But keep yeah, going. No, I, I agree. I think that it's, it's, unless you have something that's going to get you out of the house, I reckon you just go mad. Definitely. And, and, and you know, this is the thing with mental health as well. I know that the suicide rates and, and nobody talks about it because they all worry, oh, we put in the thing, people are going to start, you know, Getting on, it's just bullshit, right? I think that, and particularly for men, I think it's like seventy-five percent of, of suicides are male. Yeah. And yeah, I think you that don't talk you know, about it. and they don't talk about it, you know. And I think that we need to. This is a big mental health thing, and that's what I found through Team Shrinkage and the group and the, the boys who swim with, um, and there's girls who swim as well. But you know, it just helps everybody's mental clarity because coming back into the house again. Mm. Um, you know, I think working from home the first few days, yeah, it's sort of nice and it's easy. You don't have to yeah, get no out commute. your and, Yeah, exactly. You know, you, lucky you put pants on. <laughs> but then past that, you know, I think you've got to just really keep focusing there. The other, the other thing I was going to say, what I've found, and I don't know about you or people you speak with, but I found that my business enthusiasm really dipped. I was hyped up at the start and you know sort of pushing you know this is great we're just going to keep you know using our position and, and then i got fatigue um probably uh i don't know it was let's call it six weeks into the whole thing we were in our first lockdown stage and yep. i was just i was just really buggered you know like i was just over it i've been pushing myself i must have been eight weeks into it and so i think just having ways to reset that but also understand that you know you go through your dip as well because you're trying to be there all and everything for your team Yep. and all and everything for your family and there's not a lot left in the tank for you and so you know i think that's where the swimming sort of you know really helped me on that side of things You're like okay well i enjoy it that's my time and i can sort of have that recharge of batteries well i think you need that don't you because it does become a bit groundhog day-esque where yep. it's just that same on repeat feeling where you can't go anywhere or it's every day just blends into each other there's no weekends to look forward to going out to dinner or to a restaurant like you know to a cafe whatever or even sport like kids sport or that type of thing because you can't so i think if everyone can take some time out and do something for them even if it's only small even if it's after the kids go to bed just something to unwind it's the only thing that that we can do because you know like you say you try and be everything for everyone but you've got to look after yourself too yeah otherwise you just i think that's what a lot of people forget right especially guys is you know you don't you sort of that last little bit of the the priority right and you just and i just think that it does happen and as i said i hit this fatigue level but on the business side of things what i found it's just trying hard to be trying to sort of reset myself into my business vision you know Mm. because 
this is, you said it's Groundhog Day, right? You're just like, Jesus, here we go again. Yep. And I think particularly in Victoria where we're getting this second smackdown and, and, and we're going to have the, um, if it goes in level four, I mean, that's going to be, you know, another heavy sort of hit. So, it is another, yeah. So obviously with all that sort of stuff going on and you probably, so I think you may have covered it as well, but looking back and if you can give um, some of the listeners here, like, you know, your biggest take home as a dad, what would you like to pass on? Like not telling another bloke what to do, but just another insight. Maybe it is like you say, looking after yourself and taking time out for yourself on whatever pursuit interests you. Like what else um, yeah, would you so like I to say? The um, one thing I've found is, um, you know, you always think you've got time for your kids, but you probably don't really make that much time for them at all. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm talking from my own personal experience. I mean, I sort of, you know, I'll take them to sport and I enjoy that and I'll do, you know, little things here and there, but not actually focus, sit down and take time. So, and what I've found, um, particularly my oldest, because he's obviously the most challenging, um, besides the terrorist, of course, she's got her own little, <laughs> um, but I'll just like play Lego with him for 15 minutes a day. And that doesn't sound like much. And, but the reality is that, you know, 15 minutes is probably more than I'd be just doing something with him. So I'll say, yeah. let's just build some Lego stuff or let's do, and I try and make sure I spend the time and, and do that with them. And, you, you know, I just think that to me is what has started to change how I operate in my relationship with my kids. Because just, just actually making the space. And as I said, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people do it, but I'm also sure a lot of people don't do it. And I know no. guys who will get home at 7, 7.30, kiss their kids goodnight, and then they're up in the morning and they're gone in the morning. And so yeah. just trying to, I think, and it's always been my best intention and COVID's been quite a good thing that I go, okay, well, I'm just going to make that extra effort. And someone said to me once that, you know, if, if your kid had diabetes and you had to give them insulin, through the day, you take the time to give them insulin. Yep, you got no choice, do you? You got no choice. So treat them like a special child. So take that time and have the time with them and just fill up their cup to that level, you know? And so I just think that the takeouts on that is, yeah, I think that really you're busy, 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 and you've got all these grand plans and all these things, but you, you've got to just sort of check in and, and put the investment in on the kids' side of things. And I think that's spot on because, you know, and obviously – as a business owner, one of the reasons why a lot of us do this is because we can set our own diary. You know, like we're not running on someone else's timetable. It's not like you have to be here from this time to that time. And so you can say, okay, my kid's got something on now or like your kid's not sitting there with a watch saying, dad, you only spent 15 minutes with me today. Like exactly. they just want to have that time. Yeah. That's my two cents anyway. I just think, you know, from my yeah. experience, they just want to hang out with you because it can become it. a time when it's not cool to hang out with your dad. Exactly. And you know, it's funny, like, I don't know about you, but when I sort of come home, if I've been away for a week or something, I just get home and the kids all sit on me on the couch yeah. and you know, it's just a great, you don't, you don't need to do anything else. No, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. They don't, they don't measure the time, do they? But I, I could tell you that prior to that, I probably didn't take the time just that concentrate. Okay. I'm just going to make sure I put that in like I do with my exercise. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. And I think that's where we're all learning, aren't we? You know, you can only, no one's perfect and we all have the days where they drive you to the drink and but there's other oh. days where you just think you're living the dream and how good's this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I've got more drink days than dream days. So. <laughs> it swings and roundabouts, <laughs> depending on how much sleep they've had off. Exactly. But, but, but we covered a little bit earlier when we both said we there's things that we did when we were younger that we'd probably go back and change. But if there's anything in particular, maybe it's like, you know, when you were starting the business or maybe it's when 
you know, just before the GFC hit. And that's obviously you couldn't foresee that happening because it sort of come out of nowhere for everyone. But uh, what would you go back and tell your younger self at any point in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> look, I think that the, the biggest thing I would tell myself is number one, read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, which ironically I did read a long time ago. And that's what helped me get through the tough, tough time. And basically the whole premise of the book is pay yourself first, right? They said, if you get paid a hundred bucks, you'll spend it. If you get paid a thousand dollars, you'll spend it. You fair yep. 5,000. You know what I mean? They, yep. So but if you put 10% of what you've got away and if I could just grab the younger self by the scruff of the neck and just go, mate, there's just one thing. I don't care what else you do to start being smart with the money and put it away. Cause yep. that pile grows quicker than you think. And then you use that to start to, to build wealth. And uh, you know, the amount of money that's sort of gone through, your business and through your fingers and yeah. you pissed it up against the wall or whatever exactly. is unbelievable. I had a good crack at that. That's for sure. <laughs> I think we all did. Right. But I just think <laughs> that just having that level of smarts on just saying, okay, well, I'll pay myself first, no yeah. matter what. And I'll live off the balance as opposed to saying, I'll pay all my debts and I'll live yeah. off the change because invariably you've got no, it's never really going to change. Awesome. Awesome little insights. And now there's one thing I know you mentioned, like we're dealing with immigration all that sort of stuff, but, just to clarify, if someone you know is looking, is it the type of person who is looking up when the borders open that they can come in, or maybe it's someone that is here on a tourist visa, or you know they've overextended their visa and they get into yep. a bit of trouble? Like, what's your main um, for someone listening? You know, they might know someone yep. in a situation where they do need your services, Jamie. You know, what's your best target market? You know, the best thing about this, Dan, is um. The best thing about this job is I can have a conversation right with someone. I'll say, Dan, you know what? You might not come across a situation and need me, you know, this week or this month or in the next year, but there'll be a stage that you'll be talking to someone about a visa and you'll go, hang on, I know a bloke, yeah. right? And I can guarantee it happens to every single person. So the the main thing, yeah, if, if you have a business um, and, you know, looking at, you know, you've got a, a gun employee who's from overseas and you want to keep them, you know, that's, that's the sort of people that we get the calls from. We sort of work more on the strategic side of immigration. How do we get you someone, how do you attract, how do you retain and how do you do it for, for the best value for money? Sure. So I always say to people, there's 99 different visas in my toolkit and um, it's, most companies only focus on a couple. And that's like going to the mechanic and mechanic goes, well, I've got a screwdriver and a hammer. I'll yep. fix your car. Yep. It's you not going to happen like that. that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I hope he's know? not doing that anyway. <laughs> Well, you don't want a bang up job, right? Because it's not, not the best position. And so the other thing is, yes, if there's people here already who want to stay, um, they generally give us a call. And the other, the other one of my favourites is, you know, um, uh, guys or girls who who meet someone from overseas and, and desperately want to keep them there, yeah. you know, keep them in Australia. So we do a lot on the partner visa front as well. Um, but it's just, I suppose, anything that, you know, you have friends who want to come from overseas or people from overseas who want to stay here. You know, we, we sort of cover the whole range, which makes it, yeah, which makes it good. As I said, good business to be in. We've got the best real estate in the world. Um, I we think do. us in New Zealand, you know. We do, especially at the moment when things yeah. can uh, get going again. Like, you know, you're in an isolated place and when something happens, you know, in another 50 years, however long it's going to be, because it will happen at some point. And it's the way the, way the, uh, the past is, uh, has dictated. There's always going to be yep. something that crops up and, so it's perfect to keep you in mind, Jamie. Where can they find you? Uh, so I'm at Absolute Immigration. So it's Absolute with an E, not, not like the vodka. Immigration, it's just .com. <laughs> you There's might get no in way. trouble you with that. Could be doing the vodka. But, um, but yeah, no, just, I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward, Absolute. 
immigration, um, anyone could just give me a call, drop me an email, or I'm always happy to have a chat to people. I think that sort of initial conversation, generally what I'll do if you say, hi, I've got something going on, I'll have a chat to you, I'll say, yeah, you need our services or you don't, or, you know, I think it, you gotta, you got to have that both sort of, you know, you can't just be on the clock every minute. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, if anyone, any of the, the viewers need to do it, and obviously, you know, if they come through the show, I'll give them a 10% discount on the fees as well. Beauty. Well, that's very generous, mate. And obviously that's sort of conversations that can be had now, even with the borders shut. I'm um, assuming that you can get the wheels in motion for when the green light does come or they can yeah. come and serve their quarantine or do whatever they've got to do. Once all that paperwork's all done, you'll be, uh, it'll be a lot easier rather than starting that conversation then. Yeah, and you're spot on. I think the other advantage with that is, is there'll be a lot of people be holding back on the conversation. And I think for that reason, the number of applications will decline. So to get into a level um, in early and sort of in the queue early, I think we'll only, only see better better results. Because mm -hmm. typically you watch, it'll it'll go up, everyone goes, shit, I need my visa tomorrow. Yes, yeah, and then there'll be that mad rush and everyone will be down the bottom of the of the pile yeah, the and the they'll queue. get lost and exactly it's always yeah. the way isn't it well mate thank you very much for your time you've been very generous with the chat and the insights and i hope someone's been able to take something out of this today thanks jamie all the best yeah, absolutely thanks dan thanks for having me on the show too easy well there you go pretty important messages that jamie shared um really hope you can take something out of that as a dad as a business owner but Whatever it works for you, for Jamie, it was for going out and having those swims, those ocean swims. For you, it might just be getting outside and walking around the block and might be hopping, you know, I don't know, hopping on a bike and just getting out and just having some downtime. It might even be just shutting your eyes, laying on your bed once the kids are in bed and listening to some music or whatever it is. Please have something that's an outlet for you, for you to unwind, for you to look after your mental health because especially at the moment, considering all the problems that are going on in the world, especially if your business is affected, if there's stress at home with the kids, if you're back into lockdown, whatever your situation is, it is important to have that outlet to make sure that we're having um, our mental health as a priority. As a dad, you know, we like to try and be the jack of all trades and we like to be on top of everything, but sometimes you need to look after yourself as well. And like Jamie said, that conversation is something that we don't as a bloke we don't always like to have so please do something to help keep you on top um, of your own mental health and if it's something you do need to seek some uh, further help on please do so don't be afraid have a chat with a mate have a chat with a professional have a chat with your partner whoever but do something in wrapping up thank you for tuning in again some awesome episodes in the vault if you just found our show please go back into our back catalog we've got a 37 odd x um, episodes apart from this one we've got some awesome little tips like um, just like we heard today from jamie please go into the back catalog you find it on all good podcast apps and if you do like it please share it with a dad please share it with a mate please share it with a fellow business owner and if you know someone who wants to be a guest or you'd like to be one yourself please shoot me an email daniel at dpmtransformation.com i'd love to have a chat tell me a bit about yourself about your family and of course about your business we'll get you on for an upcoming episode until next week daniel monday smallbusinessdads.com.au